good. So my talk is about a lady's humility and purity, trying to see these two beautiful virtues together and uh, to try also to understand what comes first, humility or purity. What is more important? That's a big question. And I hope we find it out by the end of my talk. <laughs> it is good that, uh, first of all, we try to understand well the meaning of the words we deal with, humility and purity. If something is not clear, especially in the English language, let me know, right? That I can explain in another way. Uh, <clears throat> let's first of all understand the meaning of the words, right? A kind of explicatio terminorum. Uh, uh, to understand the meaning, to explain the terms we are dealing with. So humility first and purity. And the best way is to look at these uh, terms, these words, uh, in their biblical context. If there is any manifestation of these words in, in the Bible, and in particular in the New Testament. And of course, there is a manifestation of these words. First, let's see humility. Humility is found, of course, in the, in the New Testament, and uh, in, in particular in the Magnificat of Ali, right? It is the Gospel of St. Luke 1.48. You remember what our lady said, he has looked upon his lowly handmaid, or the loveliness of his uh, humble, holy servant, or as the Dwey Rims puts it, he has looked upon the humility of his uh, handmaid. So that is the place where we find the word humility and apply it to our lady. It is our lady herself uh, speaking of that lowliness, uh, humility. And in fact, the word which expresses uh, that reality, humility, is tapenosis in Greek, tapenosis, which uh, points out a low estate, an objection to be, uh, to be humble means to have a very low condition of life. And this could be at the, at the a time of at that time a kind of social low state of life, but uh, you know in the Bible the social uh, state of life is one with the the the, the faith one the religious one. A lady belonged to the Anna Wim, a category of people who were rejected by the rich society because of their poor state of life. And to the same category of people belonged the shepherds who came, who were the first to come and see Jesus and adore Jesus. They were the first to receive the message from the, the angel that the Savior of the world was born. And, uh, and Our Lady and St. Joseph, because of their poverty, they belong to the same level, the same uh, state of, of life, which is, again, uh, one, uh, it is a religious uh, state of life. It is 
the way the people were completely relying on God because of their uh, low state of life. So tapenosis, humility, means right this, to be little, basically. Uh, to be little not simply because of a social uh, indigence, poverty, but to be little uh, for the fact that the person who is in need of something relies on God. Uh, humility is this capacity to, uh, to be uh, abased, uh, to have a very low uh, condition in, by trusting completely God, His providence, His presence, His intervention. So this is humility about, okay? What is purity instead? Purity, of course we want to see purity. Uh, let me just add this one. Humility, this is the biblical context, biblical background of humility. In our language, uh, we derive humility from Latin, humus, from which we have humility in English, right? Humus is the, the soil, basically. And uh, that ex biblical expression, to be uh, little, is rendered in Latin with this image, to be, to, to come from what is very, very poor, very basic, so to speak, the soil, the, uh, the earth, right? And the humility reminds us of this humble origin. We come from something very humble, very poor. We come from the earth, right? We are made from dust. We come from dust. This is the idea that humility conveys, right? Then we have purity. What is purity? Purity, we want to look at it from a biblical perspective first, and then we see a word purity, always coming from Latin. You see how, uh, how important it is to know Latin, because English comes from Latin, basically. 80% maybe, or 70% of the English words come from Latin. Right, purity in its original uh, uh, definition and uh, etymology is kataros and means clean, pure. That cleanness is not only uh, a material one to have a table clean, dust off, no, not only that, it is also that element, but uh, uh, to be cleaned in a moral way, clean from guilt, clean from sin. Uh, do we have any reference to this purity in the Gospel? We do, and uh, if you remember, you may remember the context where the word purity comes out in the New Testament. Any, any? Very good. Which one? Blessed are those who are pure in heart, that for they shall see God. For they shall see God. Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are those pure in heart. Uh, 
So this uh, reference to purity comes from our Lord's Beatitudes. <clears throat> and uh, the word is kataros, kataroi, plus those who are pure, meaning this uh, cleanness, to be cleaned, uh, to be cleaned uh, in the heart. Of course, the heart in the Bible is the expression of the very essence of the person. It's the very center of the person. The union of mind and will, the union of intelligence and love. So if the heart is pure, the whole person is pure. Anything which makes the person unclean is not what comes in, the food. It's not about impurity or legal impurity concerning the food. It is rather about the actions that make a person could make a person impure, because the actions come, as Jesus says, from the heart, from within, right? And this is the way to make a person impure. So if the heart is pure, the whole person is pure. This is a moral purity, right? It's, a, it's a clean from guilt. And uh, this purity, uh, we don't have a direct reference to Our Lady's purity in this context, in a biblical context. But of course, if we uh, reflect more on the beatitude of our Lord, blessed are those pure in heart. And we put this in relation with Our Lady's reference to her heart in the Gospel of St. Luke, right? We have two references to Our Lady's immaculate heart. Our Lady stored, kept all these things in her heart, pondering them in her heart. So there is no other heart purer than Our Lady's heart, right? So the reference is to Our Lady who is blessed above all other people because of this purity in heart. She is the one who has a pure heart. And she is the person who uh, acts as a model of purity for all other Christians who are called to have this pure heart. This is the, the Greek uh, biblical background in Latin, from which there is a word purity. The Latin word is pudicitias, pudicus, and which means actually, literally, shame. To be ashamed of, of something which is displeasing. And we should, of course, we are ashamed of some actions. Something concerning, especially the sexual sphere of man. The problem is that when we lose this shame, we have no longer any capacity to be, to safeguard our own identity, our own person, our own body. So purity, basically, is right this, to have this, uh, a kind of protection around us, safeguarding all <coughs> our external actions, which uh, 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 make us have this, this, uh, this shame for something which is, which is not all right. And you understand now from purity, pudicus, that pudicus 
that there is a unity here between purity and chastity. You may wonder, but what's the difference between chastity and purity? Are they the same thing? Well, they are not, though they are very much interconnected. For example, St. Augustine says that purity is a virtue of the soul. Purity is more linked to the soul, while chastity is the purity of the body. Chastity, ch chastisement, to chastise oneself, is to refrain oneself from sexual uh, acts which are not appropriate, right? Are not procreative. While purity is wider than chastity, it belongs to the same family, so to speak. It is attached to chastity insofar as it concerns the, all the external actions which have to be uh, kept in, uh, safe and uh, with that holy shame, right? Shame is not something bad in this case, but the shame is something protecting us. All our external uh, behavior, actions, looking, uh, and in order to keep that chastity. So purity is wider than chastity. Purity is the same as modesty, if you want. To be modest is, is another manifestation of that virtue of purity. So purity is directed to chastity, not as a virtue distinct therefrom, but as expressing a circumstance of chastity. Purity expresses a circumstance of that chastity. It belongs to chastity, but while chastity deals with uh, sexual acts, actions, purity deals with all uh, the personal context to keep it in uh, a modest, chaste. Uh, all right, is that clear? This distinction, which is, I think, helpful to understand the, the terms of our discourse and to be clear about what we speak about, okay? Now, this said, we come to Our Lady's humility and purity, and we come to our main question, the very central question, what is more important? Humility or purity in Our Lady's life? And therefore, what is more important for us? What is more necessary to have? Necessary humility. humility or purity? You don't answer yet. <laughs> you keep your thoughts for yourself for now and try to reflect. Okay? They go together, but there is a precedence, and we try to understand where, where is this precedence, okay? But in order to do that, we need to analyze, to carefully see what the Gospel says, especially by taking into account the Gospel of the Annunciation, okay? Which is the text, the Gospel text, where both virtues, humility and purity, or even in a broader way, uh, virginity of our Blessed Mother, 
uh, highlighted. Okay? We deal with the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 1, the Annunciation. If we... You, you remember this Gospel, yes? Don't you? You remember it? Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 1, the Annunciation? Yes? Good. So, when we read it, it seems that uh, for, in relation to our Blessed Mother, her humility depends on purity. Why? Because at the Annunciation, we have first a manifestation of Our Lady's virginity, and then her profession of humility. At the Annunciation, first virginity comes out, and then humility. Why? Do I say that? Well, if we look at the verse 34, chapter 1 of the Gospel of St. Luke, we know that Our Lady responded to the angel after being evangelized with the message, you will become the mother of God, right? You will be the mother of the Most High. Our Lady said, but how can this come about? For I know not man. Or if we want, we can also translate, for I am a virgin. Right? This is chapter 1, verse 34. So the very first virtue, in this case a vow, or at least a promise of virginity, comes immediately out as something very important. Our lady is determined not to lose her virginity. She is ready even to give up that great uh, gift to be the mother of God if she had to lose her virginity. Because she promised her virginity to God. Right? She promised to be totally consecrated to God. And this is something unique in the Bible. For that reason, St. Augustine says that the honor of virginity uh, started with Our Lady, because before Our Lady, all other women were looking forward to getting married with the hope to possibly become the mother of the Messiah. So all women were, were very keen on getting married. And when Our Lady uh, chose to remain ever virgin, that was very, very extraordinary, something unique. But this is very important. The fathers, church fathers, have all uh, taken into account that important answer of Our Lady, and uh, which manifests her determination to remain a virgin. So virginity for Our Lady was very important. Okay? Uh, this is the, the first... The first expression of Our Lady's will, if you want. And then only after she was reassured by the angel that she would not lose her virginity, but rather she would keep it and become the mother of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come upon thee, the Holy Spirit will overshadow thee. She said, yes. Fiat. Be it done unto me. 
according to thy word. But uh, in order to say that, yes, well, she said that fiat, yes, so be it. And she also said, I am the handmaid of the Lord. This is the first manifestation in the Gospel of St. Luke of Our Lady's submission to God's will. So a, a manifestation of her humility. Because we said that humility is to be little, to, be, to rely on God, to be bent, so literally bent on God's will, to rely totally on His will. Because you are poor, you don't have anything, either material or spiritual. You completely rely on God. So only in chapter 1, verse 38 of St. Luke's Gospel, we find this profession of humility. I would say, the first profession of humility, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to thy word. And as said before, another manifestation of Our Lady's humility is the Magnificat, which is Luke 1.48. He has looked upon the lowliness of his handmaid, the humility of his handmaid. So, the conclusion is that the virginity is more important than humility. It seems so. Are you sure? <laughs> Do you agree with that? It seems, right, from this first investigation, that Our Lady had to put forward her strong will, if you want, while she was asking the angel how this could be, uh, could come about. And then she, she said, I am the handmaid not before being reassured about her virginity. So apparently, uh, virginity comes first and humility is the conclusion. Is that the case? Let's go a little bit deeper now, okay? Well, if we uh, look up the very important sources, who are actually great doctors of the Church, and especially Saint Bernard and Saint Bonaventure, great Franciscan doctor, we find something else. We find the right opposite. It is rather the virginity which depends on humility, and not humility on depending on virginity. Yes, we have to be wiser here. St. Bonaventure says, by reflecting on the importance of humility, that Our Lady would not have been made the Mother of God if she had been a proud woman. So there is no... Uh, even this, this greatest gift she could receive to be the Theotokos depended on her uh, humility. So when Our Lady is uh, 
questioning the angel, asking better, how could this come about? That is not, uh, of course, pride. That is not the, the fact that she is more concerned about her virginity than her humility. No. She's so humble that she was even ready to ask the angel to understand better what is God's will. But the very attitude she kept, even though concealed by this uh, question, is, is her humility. And that humility is, is manifested in the moment of her Magnificat. That is a praise of God. And the reason why God has looked upon her was not her virginity, but her humility. Right? The reason why God came to speak to this lady, the reason why God chose this holy lady, was not the virginity, but her humble condition, her being completely bent on God's will, ready to do His will. And this also tells us about Our Lady's question to the angel, which is not a question uh, to God's capacity, but it is a humble question to practically understand. We have something like in the Gospel of St. Luke about Zacharias and John the Baptist, right? You remember that Gospel? Zacharias, when received the Annunciation, the angel Gabriel, who told him about his wife and the conception of St. John the Baptist, he doubted, right? He was asking, it seems exteriorly, that he asked the same question as Our Lady did. But in fact, he doubted in his heart. And then he was doubted by God. Right? There was a lack of humility in Zacharias. He did not trust God straight away. He had to be reassured. He said, I'm old. My wife is old. How can this come about? Right? We are old people. The nature doesn't allow us to, to conceive a son. But God does love you. He had to trust him. He had to be humble. And to trust God's power. This is what Our Lady did in her humility, right? Which was a condition, the very condition for her to ask what is to, to happen here, right? And we see the difference. So even in that question, Our Lady put forward to God, through the angel, there is a manifestation of Our Lady's trust, Our Lady's total submission to God. So, virginity depends on humility. Saint Bernard says, I make bold to say that without humility, not even Mary's virginity would have pleased God. Hmm. Here, here we go, Maria. You got the answer now. <laughs> Without humility, not even Our Lady's virginity would have pleased God. And uh, Saint Bonaventure, in writing to the nuns, to the poor Clares, 
he uh, teaches the importance of humility and uh, humility in order to safeguard their consecration, their virginity. Humility, he says, is a great, is a great virtue. Without it, not only is there no virtue, but that which might have been virtue is vitiated and turns into pride. So without humility, there is nothing. There is no virtue at all. Humility is that soil, right? That very foundation from <coughs> which we are taken and upon which we can build our own spiritual house. Uh, humility is, is uh, the, the very uh, foundation. So again, uh, let's quote Saint Bernard to be even more convinced that uh, humility is the presupposition of virginity. He says in a beautiful way, especially in that sermon, Supermissus est, a sermon on the Annunciation. It's very famous, the sermon by Saint Bernard on the Annunciation, where he comments on Our Lady's response to the angel. The angel was uh, waiting, the whole world actually was waiting for that response, uh, trembling and, uh, and uh, telling Our Lady, please respond, because if you don't say yes, we are lost. If you don't say your yes to God, we, are, we have no salvation. So Saint Bernard commented on that beautiful passage of the Gospel and says, when it comes to Our Lady's response to the angel, virginity associated with humility is like a precious stone in a gold setting. Virginity and humility. This is the, the unity that we find in Our Lady. And again, what is, what is there so beautiful as the union of virginity with humility? How indescribably, indescribably pleasing to God is the soul in which humility enhances virginity and virginity embellishes humility. We can also maybe uh, swap uh, humility with uh, purity, uh, sorry, virginity with purity, and say, how indescribably pleasing to God is the soul in which humility enhances purity and purity embellishes humility. By applying that uh, mystery of Our Lady where there is that incredible, uh, profound uh, connection between humility and virginity to any, any Christian called in Our Lady to follow the same example of humility and purity and chastity according to one's own state of life. <clears throat> so this is, so uh, we have not to separate humility from virginity or humility from purity, but we have to see them in a hierarchical manner, right? There is a hierarchy to be respected. 
okay? First comes humility, and upon that foundation there is purity. Purity as the manifestation of humility. Purity as the manifestation of God's beauty. And uh, there is a hierarchy, there is a priority precedence, but there is a profound unity. Because humility uh, nourishes, if you want, virginity and purity. And purity is a way to, is a manifestation of humility. Right? So purity is the humility of our person. As humility is the purity of uh, our life, our faith. If we want to just make an application of this important doctrine to today's situation in our mother church, as I told you in my homily yesterday, it seems that the virtue we have lost today, not only in the society, in the world, uh, which is the pudicizia, the pudor, the, the, the shame, but it, uh, especially within uh, the church, it is the virtue of purity. And the contrary of purity is impurity. Any manifestation of impurity. And impurity is the pride of the intelligence. Impurity is the pride of the person. As humility, as, as, as purity is the, is the humility of the person, of the intelligence and the body. So when there is this pride... The manifestation of this pride is impurity. And the very, uh, the very result of impurity is, is, is uh, the pride and uh, is a wrong teaching, wrong doctrine. And they are both very much linked up. Because impurity, which is physical and spiritual, right? as purity and chastity. Purity is spiritual, chastity is physical, right? The other way around, we find what? We find impurity, which is physical, right? And it is also spiritual. It is the lack of purity and the lack of chastity, which together form that impurity. And they both affect the mind and the body. And since we are one, mind and body, this kind of impurity can be seen either in a wrong teaching, wrong intelligence, wrong understanding, or rather also in a, in a bad behavior. And what do we have today in our church? We have even the possibility to bless homosexual couples. They are fostering, unfortunately, this uh, sodomy, this uh, very bad doctrine, which is not a doctrine, it's an anti-doctrine. But you, you, you may wonder why within the church we come to be so explicitly against God's commandments. God made man male and female. God blessed the marriage between man male and female. Any other uh, Sodoma was condemned. Sodoma was destroyed. 
with fire from heaven. Though there is an interpretation of Sodoma by a former secretary of the Italian Episcopal Conference saying that Sodoma was not destroyed. New information. <laughs> That's crazy. But, you know, there are some interpretations say that Sodoma was blessed by, by God because God is merciful, isn't he? So he blessed even Sodoma. I don't know. Anyway, but this is, the, this is the, where we have come now, right? This kind of impurity, which does not mean simply, I, I hope to be clear, it doesn't mean to be only impure physically, to have an immoral life. But it is also impurity of the mind affecting eventually the body, as it is the impurity of the body eventually, at some point, affecting the mind. The two things are very much entwined. So this is the danger when we lose this precious virtue, which is humility and virginity together. Humility and purity together. We may come to face this modernism, neo-modernism, upholding uh, doctrines or these uh, theories, ideas which are very contrary to God's creation, God's will, God's plan. They are very much anti-God, right? It's, it's very explicit. There is the effort of Satan to fight. Satan explicitly now, under the guise of <laughs> something else, is fighting against God. But you know that the Satan, the very, the very uh, thing that the Satan cannot stand is what? Humility. What he doesn't have is humility. He has all other virtues. He's very pure. He's immaculate, if you want. Immaculate, uh, between inverted commas, very pure, because he's an angel. <laughs> but he's not humble. And the fact that he's not humble, that lack of humility, which is the very foundation of any other virtue, leads him to be opposed to God, to be opposed to our Blessed Mother, right? He's crushed, of course, by our Blessed Mother, but he still fights with his allies against the will of God, against God's creation, God's will, God's plan. So only a perverted, uh, impure mind can generate such uh, perverted thoughts which eventually affect the body. And only perverted uh, bodies, if you want, can eventually uh, generate these uh, theories which are contrary to the, the holy doctrine of the faith. This just to say how much, how important it is to, to have together humility and purity for us. If we lose one of the two, we are in trouble.
okay? We have to keep humility as the very foundation and purity as the very manifestation of it. Okay? Purity is always that manifestation of humility. Okay, coming to a close, and I may give you some time if you want to ask any, any question. Okay. To conclude, let's go back to the very uh, etymology, because as you see, etymology is uh, important to understand what we deal with. What we want is humility, that law is state of life, as our lady, to recognize God's primacy, God's precedence over all other things. This is humility. The devil has all other virtues but humility. There's only one virtue lacking in his uh, life. And this is the reason why he's Satan. Because he's not humble. And you also understand how pride is so deceitful to become an eternal, uh, an eternal fight, so to speak. Satan is still Satan. Since he uh, fell down because he opposed God, wanted to oppose his will, since then he hasn't changed his mind. And he can't because... Is in the eternity. Eternity, you can't change your mind anymore. This just to say how deceitful is pride, which may become also eternal, an eternal choice. And this is the reason why there is hell. Hell is the place, the condition where these people are. The people like Lucifer. They who remain in that pride of life. The people who do not want to change. Do not want to be humble. Do not want to be dust. Coming, recognize that we come from dust. And to dust we shall return. Yes, one day. So humility is very precious. The very foundation of any spiritual life. If you don't have humility, forget about any, any growth in your spiritual life. Better to change your mind, do something else. <laughs> you can fight as ladies against these uh, vices, against impurity, only if you are humble. And don't forget that the devil is always coming to, uh, coming to you and trying to take you down because of this fight against impurity. Yes, those who fight against impurity have to face, always, the very temptation of the devil. But you can overcome the devil only if you are humble. With humility, you are ready to overcome his uh, machination, strategy to take you down, if you are humble enough. And of course, we want to be pure, clean, not only uh, physically, but also not uh, a cleanness coming not from food, 
from being very attentive and following a good diet, right? Otherwise, <laughs> we look after our own health, and uh, especially women like to be very thin and yeah, very attentive, but this is not the cleanness required by the gospel. It is something else. Purity, uh, it's uh, a moral clean, cleanness, a moral uh, attitude to have that heart, to have a lady's heart in yourself. And with a Marian consecration, being consecrated to our lady is indeed to receive her own heart. So that the, the beatitude of our Lord, blessed are those pure in heart, is fulfilled in those who are consecrated to Mary. So what's the way, the way forward? To keep both humility and purity in our lives. Well, to be one with our Lady. To be consecrated to our Blessed Mother. We are in a Montfortan house here where the message of Saint Louis Marie Grignon is spread. And the very message, you know, the true devotion to Our Lady is to welcome Our Lady in our lives, to consecrate ourselves to Mary, to be completely, perfectly consecrated to Christ. So by welcoming Our Blessed Mother, in our lives, as John did at the foot of the cross, we are able, we are made able, by grace, by Our Lady's presence, to be humble and to be pure. We receive those virtues communicated to us by our Blessed Mother. Her humility, her purity. So, the very last uh, thought, uh, this humility and this purity, in the end, are not only virtues to practice, they are, but in particular, above all, uh, humility and purity are those virtues who well and better identify our Blessed Mother, her being. So, uh, these two virtues are not only virtues, actions, but rather the identity of a person. They are a person, a woman, a great woman, beautiful woman, a blessed mother. So, if you stick to her, if you love our lady, if you are close to her in your spiritual life, you receive those virtues. Because you receive Our Lady's presence. And these virtues are communicated to you as a maternal presence in your life. And you are made strong to fight pride, to fight impurity in all its form. Okay. Very good. The end. <laughs>